It's me, Kinsey. In December, I decided to start making a series about the American dream. What you are about to watch is the very first interview I did for that series. It is with none other than Shark Tank star, entrepreneur, billionaire investor, Mark Cuban. Uh, so you're about to see an interview with Mark Cuban. It's about an hour of just Mark Cuban hyping me up on the American dream. So I hope that you enjoy it. I hope you will recognize that this interview took place in December of 2021. So my perception of the American dream has changed since then, but so too have, you know, the circumstances of everything. So enjoy, listen, learn. I hope you get as much out of this as I did when I originally spoke to Mark and I hope you have some fun watching it. See you at the end. What does the American dream mean to you, Mark Cuban? I mean, it, it means defining your own, def means creating your own definition of success and going for it and be, you know, and having the opportunity to reach it. Doesn't mean that everybody's path is going to be the same distance or equally easy or difficult, but it means that there is a path and the challenge is finding it. When you say the opportunity to reach it, I think that that's one of the interesting aspects of this American dream conversation that's going to be prevalent throughout any conversation about the American dream is what does the opportunity to reach your own self-defined success look like? And, and that opportunity is different based on the circumstances that you face in life. Do you have any thoughts on that, on, on what it might mean to create opportunity for yourself when circumstances differ so greatly from person to person in the US? Well, it comes down to what the, your definition of success is, right? For some people, it may be being able to lay in bed all day playing the guitar and putting yourself in a position to, you know, sell NFTs of your performances and you may not, you know, make a lot of money, but you live your own life. And so if you can wake up every morning with a smile on your face, I think that's accessible to everybody. Now, reaching great financial success, that take, that's not the same path for everybody. You know, um, for some people who, you know, start way before the start line, it's a lot, diff lot more difficult to get to an economic, uh, you know, a, a level of significant success than it might have been for me or others. You know, if you're a person of color, you know, in some cases, if you're a woman, if you live in, in a, you know, an area where your educational opportunities are not as great, you are going to start way behind the pack. And that's going to make it more difficult. You may not have been given, you know, you may not have been given an education at all. And so the challenge is recognizing your circumstances and realizing that it may take you a lot longer than it might have taken somebody else. But I still truly believe that there is a path for anybody. The challenge is being curious enough and focused enough to find ways to pay for your existence and pursue the things that are important to you. Even, you know, and you may not get there. There's no assurance that you will get there, but there is a path. I wanna dig into that a little bit more deeply in just a moment, but before we do get there, just as a little bit of context, you know, you are somebody who, by any stretch of the imagination is considered successful on the mainstream. Do you think that you are emblematic of the American dream, of achieving an American dream? Again, it depends on how you define it, right? Did I become the baseball player I wanted to be when I was a little kid? No, right? Did I reach, do I have more money than I ever possibly imagined? Yeah. Does it make, you know, does it change um, things for me financially? Yeah, I've had credit cards ripped up in front of me. I've had bill collectors chase me down you know, all that stuff, uh, you know, I had turned down credit, you name it, right? Um, but I, I found a way to get past that. And so, yeah, I don't know if I'm emblematic, but I certainly accomplished the things that I set out to accomplish far beyond anything I ever envisioned. What did you think success would look like when you were younger, when you were just getting started? Did, did your idea of success look like what you have today? No, not at all. Um, you know, when I was in college, I read this book, How to Retire by the Age of 35, because to me, the, the most valuable asset that I could acquire more so than money was time. And, mm -hmm. you know, just be able to have my time to myself, to be able to travel and party like a rock star and just do whatever I damn well please. Um, and the question was, how much money did I need to do that? And in this book, it says, well, if you if you're fine with living like a student for the rest of your life, you know, having multiple roommates and, and just living cheap. You, you can retire by having, you know, X amount of money in the bank. 
And that was my goal to save up to just to bust my ass. You know, I started as a bartender, throwing parties, whatever, you know, and save up that money and live like a student, just party and, you know, get drunk with as many people as I, I could and have a great time. And, you know, that was my mission, <laughs> you know, when, when I was in my early 20s. Um, and then as I found out that I was a, a decent entrepreneur and a lousy employee, I got fired from jobs and quit jobs and started a company. You know, I was living six guys in a three bedroom apartment, sleeping on the floor, going to bars um, and buying one beer and eating all the fried mushrooms I could eat to fill myself. You know, going to grocery stores at midnight when they lowered the price of chicken because that's when it turned bad. So I could get, you know, a whole meal for $1.29. That's the shit I was doing to because to me, that put me on my path to the American dream. I didn't have to be the richest. I never thought I'd be a billionaire. Are you kidding me? That, that never even crossed my mind. Not even my wildest, wildest owning an NBA team. No way. I just wanted to be able to just wake up, say, okay, what do I want to do today? That yeah. was my dream. That's so incredible to hear. And I think that this, this serves an important purpose in this conversation, right? Is this mm -hmm. understanding of what it means to accomplish anything. When we're talking about accomplishing the American dream, it's difficult to kind of put a fine point on it and say, you know, this is the American dream. There's no real like economic measure of what it means to find success in America. And one of the best parts of, of being entrepreneurial, of having a dream, is that that dream can change, that you can suddenly find a new path yeah. in life. And that ability to shift, to, to adapt, to take a different path, I think is one of the best parts of the American dream that is worth preserving. And, and I wanna say off the bat that I do think this is something worth preserving, right? The idea that you can work hard is good. That is something yeah, that we should when continue. People, when people think of the American dream, it's not so much like I'm prototypical, there's this rich dude, right? And he managed to make a lot of money, more power to him. But I think it's the goal to not have a ton of financial stress in your life. Mm -hmm. You know, because we all make different choices. You know, what's my dream? What is it that makes me happy? And does make the things I want to do that make me happy, do those dovetail with me being able to, to pay my bills, you right. know, and maybe save up for retirement. And so if I can, if I can pay my bills, save some money, have some fun. A lot of people say they're living the American dream. They don't necessarily have to be, you know, God awful rich, like more money than anybody deserves type thing. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think that that's where we kind of go askew. And, and so you don't have to have more. I, I never imagined I'd be in this position ever. And the reality is my next dollar is worth next to zero to me. You know, it doesn't help me at all. But at the same time, what what satisfies me is being curious, is being learning, is taking on is, is learning and taking on challenges. And so I think the things that I like to do now also got me to where I am. And so even though I had obstacles, I mean, I didn't have any money. I didn't have a car. I didn't have my own place. I didn't have whatever. I didn't have credit. You know, I was just always so curious that that led me to finding stepping stones that got me out of where I was and took me on a path to where I am. Yeah. And and I'm, I'm glad that you relay that part of the story, too, because one of the best pieces of advice I've gotten on my very new, very recent entrepreneurial journey, which I hate saying the word entrepreneur a million times, but is this idea that all of the the facets of your life are changeable, right? Like you have the ability to make a change in your life. It might not be easy and it's definitely harder for some people than it is for others, but all of the aspects of your life are in flux and they yep. continue to be that way until you die. Like that is a kind of a freeing mentality to have that you can choose to do something differently. You can choose to pursue something. You can choose to quit something and it'll all serve this larger purpose of getting you where you wanna be, which is pretty cool. And the one thing we all have in common, entrepreneur or not. We all have had that idea and you get that feeling in your stomach. Maybe this is a great idea. Then you tell your friends and they say, oh, Kenzie, what a great fucking idea. Then you go online and you check it out. There's nobody doing it or no one doing it the way you're going to do it. And then you get to that point where you say yes or no. Do you do it? Even if it's part-time, weekends, one minute a day, do you go for it or do not go for it? 99% of the people, 99.99% of the people don't go for it. You did. Now, sometimes it's like it took me getting fired to finally say, OK, I got to go for it. I don't care. You know, and in a lot of cases, too. And, and I think this is, you know, the people who start way behind the pack in some ways, believe it or not, they have an advantage because when I got fired, I had nothing to lose. 
I literally was broke. I mean, I had credit card bills that, you know, my credit was awful forever. Um, and so I had nothing to lose. And when you have nothing to lose, that is the absolute best time to start a business. Damon John, one of, you know, one of the folks on Shark Tank with me always calls it the power of broke. Being broke has power, you know, and you'd probably also have access to a community that other people aren't monetizing, to put it, you know, in, in stark terms. You know, if, if you're living in a community where there's not a lot of investment, there's probably a lot of opportunity. Because there's probably a lot of people who think like you, who, in, you know, have dreams like you. And if you can help them fulfill their dreams, or whether it's a product or a service, whatever, that's an opportunity. But most people, you know, you get so caught up in just how do I pay my electric bill? How do I pay my water bill? How do I pay my car? That it's, it's really, really hard to take that first step. Yeah, it's and it's an important point. You know, I I often recognize that. The reason I was able to, what I'm doing today is what I've always wanted to do, which is pretty cool that I'm, I'm in my 20s and I'm able to say that I'm doing what I've always dreamt of, which is I'm, I recognize how lucky I am. But I also recognize that the circumstances that put me in this position were incredibly unique. I happened to work for a company that got bought. I happened to be a single woman without children who was able to take a financial risk to do something because I didn't have mouths to feed. I was financially stable enough to begin with that I could go a few months without a paycheck and I would be okay. I would still be able to feed myself and clothe myself, but that's not the case for everybody. And, and, you know, we can talk about having the, the drive to make a change, to get ahead of the pack that you've been behind for so long. But at the end of the day, those circumstances are pretty unique, like lightning struck for the, a lot of the successful people in America. Because you, you got a job, right? You got a job and you made a point to learn from that job. And you made a point to get a job that was in the realm of where you wanted to end up and you were getting paid to learn you went to college somewhere you paid money somewhere now you were getting paid to learn and i worked as a bartender i learned a shitload more as a bar back than a bartender but yeah i learned a shitload there excuse me started and ran a bar when i was in college with somebody else i learned a shitload there right and so you put yourself in a position if the only job you can get is working at mcdonald's if you just be, try to do your best to become the best at your job in McDonald's, you're going to learn. And if you're just the least bit curious, because I think that's where the people who go on a path towards their dreams and those who don't, the one element that separates them is curiosity. Hmm. Are you okay. curious about the world you're in or is it just like, I fucking hate this job. I just go and the minute I can get anything better, I'm, I'm out, right? It's really easy to just go into the I'm out category and just say, what the fuck? I'm, you know, tossing fries at McDonald's. I'm, I'm working, you know, washing cars. I'm, I'm walking these idiots dogs and they're crapping everywhere. And all I do is pick up shit all day. You can take that attitude or you can say, all right, I got this job. I'm going to learn how this company runs and I'm going to try to figure it out. And the shit I don't learn, I'm going to be curious about it and I'm going to pick up a book or go to YouTube and watch a video or get on fucking TikTok and see how other people sell it to see if I can ever create a company that does this better. That's just curiosity. And curiosity is not limited by where you're born or what your circumstances are. And if you just have the ability to be curious and learn, you have a chance. If you close your door, I don't care how much money you have or don't have or where you are or, or are not, you're fucked. Mm -hmm. I think that, that that is an important first step. Like to, to want it enough to be curious and to take every opportunity as a learning opportunity is step zero, right? You're never going to get anywhere unless you accomplish that. But there is like the realistic aspect of this is you need capital. If you want to start a business, you need capital. It takes more than curiosity. What, so what equity is more than enough? More than enough for 99% of people. I mean, you didn't have to. So do you live by yourself? I do. All right. And what part of Manhattan are you in? Greenwich Village. All right. You didn't have to live in Greenwich Village in yes. Manhattan, right? There's no, a lot of places that. you could live with a lot of roommates outside of New York to start a media company. And to start a media company, you need a phone and you need an internet connection and the smarts enough to download an app and the curiosity enough to learn how to do it. And now you're a media company. All you got to do is download TikTok 
And you can, if you figure out how to get people to, to, to like what you do, you are a media company. And that's it. Mm-hmm. That is it. It doesn't take capital at all, but it does take brains, curiosity, effort. You know, and, and it sounds cliche, but I tell whether it's our players in the Mavs, whether it's people I work with, the one thing in life that you can control is your effort. Yeah. And as long as you know how to read or even just watch videos, why, you know, instead of doing whatever, pick, you know, take an accounting class online for free. Take a finance class online for free. doesn't matter where you live. You don't have to have a good phone, right? You just have, you go to the library, you know? Yeah. Now the challenge is not everybody's going to have this pep talk, you know, and that's harder, right? Because if you're in circumstances where you have a mom that's a drug addict or a parent that's not there or no parents or no guidance at all, and they're not telling you this, all right, it's not going to be easy. Um, But at the same time, if you get to that point where you can recognize it, you can do it. But why do you think then if if we could, you know, export this pep talk, which we will, right? Like this will be on the internet for people to consume. If we could export this kind of encouragement to anybody who wanted it or who needed it or who was lacking it otherwise, why does it still feel to so many people like the American dream is so out of touch, like it is so unattainable that you cannot just pick yourself up by your bootstraps to to invoke a little Martin Luther King Jr. if you have no bootstraps, right? How how does it how do we reckon with that? Why does it feel that way in your view? And what is the answer to to eradicating that idea that success is no longer an option, even for the most curious or the most driven or the people willing to put in the most effort? Because most people don't know that it's out there to find, let alone to even look. Hmm. You know, and if you don't know what's out there, there could be there could be trees growing hundred dollar bills that can solve all your, your financial problems. And if you don't know they exist to go pick yours, what are you going to do? Right. You're stuck. And, you know, there's people I know that I grew up with that I was friends with that, you know, could talk to me. I've talked to and were, was, were, they were around me the entire time I was growing up and they just went on a completely different path and hate their lives. You know, we, we make choices or we just don't have access. And, you know, how do you solve that? You know, it's really easy to just throw things out there, but it's really hard to get the people who would have to implement them to actually do something. So with that, who who is the person who's supposed to do something, right? You know, we can talk about having good influences in your life. I read recently, uh, you know, it's an economic study about the importance of having a really good teacher at a young age increases yeah. your earning potential by a pretty significant margin. Curiosity. Those, yeah, those those influences are important, but whose job is it to ensure that those influences are present across the board for young people who are coming of age in America today. Is it the government? Is it like, is it business? Is it creating, you know, more positions of power so that people see people who look like them as the CEO of a company? Like, how do we, how do we encourage that curiosity from a young age? Because if it's not there at a young age, it's really difficult to say somebody's going to yeah turn 18 and suddenly want to be a business person. Yeah. It's all the above, right? You know, first of all, you've got to make it so, you know, the kids, parents, first of all, you know, that if some someone's having kids, that they understand all everything that's going on and and get parenting support, you know, and get leave if they have a job. So, you know, you know, have access to, to daycare and health care, because if they're not healthy, you know, m- mentally and physically, then this is all a moot conversation, you know, having. Um, education that includes financial education and business education. I know there are thousands of schools that play Shark Tank in their um, econ or business classes, and that's a good thing, you know, but at the same time, it should start even earlier. I mean, I don't know if you have any little brothers or sisters or nieces or nephews, right, that are eight, nine, 10 years old, but how many of them even have a bank account? Yeah. You know, how many even know how that works? How many even know how credit works? How many even know how a business works? You know, I support junior achievement. There's DECA, there's others as well that allow kids to participate, but that takes the initiative from the kids to go out there and do it, and that's tough. You know, there really should be personal finance education, you know, going down to elementary school, you know, 
teaching kids the basics. Parents try to do it, but if the parents aren't there and you know, mom or dad is working two jobs or not in place, it's going to be tough. And we can talk about personal responsibility, but if you, know, if you don't even know how to define personal responsibility and deal with it, it's going to be awful tough. And you know, it, it gets into a bigger conversation when you talk about government supporting it. You know, there's the way we've looked at government historically, which is a bunch of bureaucrats pushing paper and spending our money inefficiently. And then there's ways to do it now with open source and, you know, government as a service and educational opportunities and apps and moving into, you know, the 2022 and 2023, you know, the way the world is today, which means, you know, electing politicians who have a, a clue. Right now, that takes us on a whole different tangent. If it were up to me, I'd get rid of both the Democratic and Republican Party and, you know, pass a law saying everybody's got to think for themselves and no bandwagoning, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, we've got to have all these things can get support from government, but there's got to be somebody who understands how to do it. Yeah. And you bring up an interesting idea that I've kind of been reckoning with. This is recent for me. I started thinking about this today. The idea, when I talk about the idea of the American dream, I mean this big, like, nebulous American dream of success, hard work, and you can accomplish your biggest dream and your loftiest goal, right? That idea is is often kind of touted by the more conservative side of American politics. They say, let's bring jobs back to America and everybody can be successful. But then when it comes down to it, when we want to get into the nitty gritty, the brass tacks, the more granular aspects of creating the possibility of accomplishing the American dream, it's typically more liberal policies. It's universal healthcare, universal preschool, things like that. How do we how do we reconcile those two? How do we well, create So here if I was Joe Biden, you're right, or if I was running the country today, I'd say interest rates are one, one and a half percent. Name me one better investment than the American people. If I can't invest in, if I can't get more than a one, 1.5% return investing in our kids, investing in the education of our kids, investing in the schooling of our kids, supporting people who might otherwise be on government service, you know, government um, support programs and helping create government funded jobs. So if I can't create government funded jobs that return more than one and a half percent, I shouldn't be your president, right? Because re getting a return of one and a half percent, any investor will tell you they can come up with a thousand ideas. And I can't think of a better idea than investing in the American people. And you start that investment, the younger, the better. So right now we look at all these things as an expense. And so the right side says, you know, well, we need personal responsibility and we can't spend all this money. The left says, just spend, spend, spend. The more we spend, the better. The middle, you know, or what I think the smart side says is we're in a set of circumstances that says interest rates are one and a half percent. Invest, invest, because that's what investors do, right? I can invest a whole lot of money. There's per VCs and private equity, because they can borrow so cheaply, they're making, you know, investment today is through the roof. There's no shortage of investment and there's no shortage of capital. It's the valuations are going through the roof. It's insane. You know, so it's not a question of shortage of capital. It's a question of shortage of knowledge and intent in the part of the government and their ability to understand what they're doing and how to sell it. There is no better investment than the American people from the poorest kid of color in the worst neighborhood. You will get a better return by investing in those kids and their education and their health over the long term than the money that the Democrats want to spend on all these programs to support them after they've fallen through the cracks or have problems. Yeah, I, I think this is kind of the perfect way of putting it, right? That we need almost a rebranding of, of what it means to offer to quote unquote offer support, right? It's, it's investing is, is what it is at the end of the day. You know, if you invest in a, a child's education who lives in a poor part of the country, who goes to a shitty public school, you invest in their education from a young age, economics will show us that typically it's, yep. a, it's a cost saving activity. 40 years down the road, you're not gonna have to pay to keep that person alive in prison, right? And not only the cost savings, but you're gonna get productivity. Right. That could be the kid that invent, invents the next whatever or teaches the next kid who invents the next whatever, or teaches the next 100 kids, because that's what separates this country apart. And this ties back to the American dream, right? What separates us from every other country in the world? Our drive for innovation and entrepreneurship. 
There is more innovation. You know, that's why, you know, the American dollar is the reserve currency because we innovate more things than anybody. I don't care what any other country is going to say or region, China included, Russia included. You go through all the things in your head. Now we might not manufacture them, manufacture them and that's a different question, but if you go through all the things in your head, you just look around your apartment, you walk down the street and say that, 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 those things are important to me, where were they invented? 90% of them are gonna be invented here in the United States of America. We get a return in our investment because that's culturally, that's why we're different. That's why we're, you're having this conversation about the American dream. It's not called the Russian dream or the Chinese dream or the French dream or the Latvian dream or whatever, you know, it's called the American dream. And that's why we're a net importer of people. That's why more people come here than want to leave. People leave other countries, particularly come here to start businesses because the inhibitors are far greater there for a lot of reasons across the world than they are here. And so as long as that net inflow of people is coming in as opposed, as long as we have a net inflow as opposed to the net outflow, that tells you who we are. We just have to realize that these are not expenses that are virtue signaling for Democrats or virtue signaling that, you know, it's just debt for the Republicans. It's an investment. Yeah, and it's not a handout, right? I think that in America, we have this, like, we're an allergic reaction on specifically one side of the political spectrum of the words handout. If we rebrand that as an investment in the future or just... But it's not even a branding question, right? It's reality. But how come it's so difficult to tell people this? You know, like, I could talk to my conservative parents about it. Yeah, you just got to do it, right? You've got to be organic, authentic, and honest about it. And Mm -hmm. you've got, just like if I say, okay... Kinsey, you want me to invest in your company, why, right? What is it that you're gonna do that makes it a smart investment for me? And you, you tell me the reasons and I say yes or no. You give the same Shark Tank-like presentation on you know, credits for daycare. You know, dun, 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 dun. Mark, you know, I have a business where we are going to raise X amount of money and we are going to invest in the health and welfare and education of children who are one, one year to five years old and this product and you just go through it and show the long-term benefits so the lifetime value to of each kid to the united states of america in terms of increased productivity and then we ask the question well you know isn't a 20-year horizon a long time yes it is this is not your typical business because our product is people you know and it's not typical we're not just making widgets or selling widgets we're we're in, we're investing in people and we know what that return is going to be and you're seeing companies do that on the margin right upstart and other companies where they'll take you know help you pay for college and take a percentage of your earnings etc but to do that as a country and invest and then you go back to the american dream you're picking off people one at a time and supporting them to prepare them to not have to start 10 yards behind the pack and to be in a position where they can be curious where their schools are better. And if their schools aren't better, they figure out ways to make them better in, in, you know, in this digital world that we live in. Is this part of your campaign platform? (laughs) No, I ain't running. That's a damn sure. No, but I I mean, like, it makes perfect sense, right? And I I think part of the job of being a journalist is in a lot of ways being a a professional cynic and, and being skeptical all the time. And that's all definitely informed a lot of what I do on Thinking is Cool. And I was really skeptical going into this season about the American dream. You know, in my mind, I've been incredibly lucky. But a lot of it is because I came from like a middle class family. I'm a white person. I went to a private school. I got a scholarship and got a world class education. Like all of these things contributed to me being successful. And in my mind, as I'm going into this season, I'm thinking like, how much harder my life would have been if just one of those were taken away. If one of those little Jenga pieces were taken away from the tower, it might all come crumbling down. When we have a conversation like this, it does make me feel more like amped up. Like I'm gonna like whip out an American flag. You know, like this this could be exciting. This could still be a viable future that we we yeah. reconstruct this American dream. We think about it in a more holistic way. We consider it an investment, not a handout. And we think about things in a long-term spectrum, right? Yeah, like a, a holistic just like, way. Just because our politicians have been fucked up for the last however many years, right? And just because they think backwards rather than understanding the opportunities going forward, 
doesn't mean it's going to stay that way. Mm-hmm. You know, you whether it's you, whether it's anybody you know, we're ripe for disruption in our political system. Ripe so who for... disrupts it? Oh, there's a thousand ways to do it, right? There's ranked choice voting. There's fair voting. You know, the problem is we've got this duopoly of Republicans and Democrats that try to control everything. And, you know, I even got a company that's looking for antitrust violations. That's all they do for, for, for among politicians and political parties that we just started. So how do you disrupt these things? You know, and you primarily disrupt them by getting, you know, kids your age, people your age going out there and running for office and just saying, fuck all this shit. Mm-hmm. Right. It's fucked up and we can't let it stay that way. We don't need 80 year olds you know, leading both parties effectively. And that's no knock on, on Joe Biden individually. He's a good guy. I know him, right? He's smart, da, 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 da. But he just doesn't have that piss and vinegar that says, okay, how's crypto going to change everything? How's AI going to change everything? How can we use AI to, to better what we're, we're at? He might have advisors and he may listen to them, but he's not going to fundamentally understand it. And he's not a digital native to come up. Look, Actually, I was listening to this podcast and they were talking about AI and how AI always is objective driven rather than just trying to do things that are interesting. And it was a real corollary to me with the American dream in that how do you become a great entrepreneur? You're curious. And that curiosity takes you in places that you, where you're able to acquire knowledge. And all of a sudden, in, out of that curiosity, you see a stepping stone that other people can't see. So like back in the mid 90s, before then, you know, when I got fired, I was telling you about, I started a company called Microsolutions. And Microsolutions, we, I made a good move where we started selling local area networks when no one knew what a local area network was. Well, then I sold that company to CompuServe and that prepared me to say, okay, when the internet happened, oh wow, it doesn't have to be just text. It could be audio and eventually video. So we started the first real streaming company. And we, we commercialized streaming before everybody else. And it was only because my curiosity and I saw it as a stepping stone. Anybody can be curious. And when you're curious, if you're able to see a stepping stone, just like you saw stepping stones on a better way to do media, you said, I've been involved with Morning Brew. I saw how they do it, right? Here's a stepping stone for me. You know, that's what we need in government too, where people look forward and see stepping stones and how to change things that are done. We don't have that right now. Yeah. You know, the idea that all Democrat, all Democrats in the Senate and the House have to think as one and vote as one, and all the Republicans in the Senate and the House have to act as one and vote as one, is the most un-American thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> and yet, here we are, well, how yeah. many years later, right? <laughs> That's why you and your friends and people you know need to say, fuck this. We're all running for office. And we will like, we won't be part of the Democrats. We won't be part of the Republicans. We'll be people who think for ourselves. We don't need a party to do this. I have to be candid and honest with you. And that is this. I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to piddle my life away working in bureaucracy to make like at most what the president gets paid, like $400,000 a year or something. Like, I want to make a great company and sell it and get rich and help other people that way. Like, that is, I well, think, okay the ideal of success. Get rich and then run for office. Okay. Yeah, I Not guess it's the, the incentive structure is perhaps a bit skewed. And, and the same thing for, for any necessary service, right? We think about teachers. Teachers get paid nothing, perhaps for the most important role in the American economy, right? Like, how do we how do we restructure incentive systems so that people do want to run for government positions, so that people do want to be teachers, so that people do want to work for nonprofits? You rich, that's your opportunity. To, right? yeah. Because okay. when, so I got a lot of work to do. Fast forward. Let's just fast forward to you've accomplished the, your, fi- your financial dreams and you've exceeded them. The marginal value of every dollar, like I said earlier, declines. When you're broke, the marginal value of every dollar is more than a dollar because it reduces hassle and stress. And so every dollar, like now, every dollar that comes in in advertising and sponsorship is a godsend, right? Because it reduces your stress and everything else that you do. And it it takes one thing off your plate so you can focus on other things. Then you get to the point, you know, like the morning brew folks where, okay, maybe it wasn't I can retire and live a life of luxury, 
but ooh, the, my stress levels changed dramatically because, you know, where you are, when I was where you were, I was dreaming about work. I was so conscious about it. I was worried about every, every second that I wasn't thinking about work. It was because I don't, something, I was drunk, right? Because otherwise it was on my mind at one level or another. And once you get past that, then you can start being curious about things that don't have to deal with your daily grind. Mm-hmm. And that's when you start being able, your time takes on a different value. Your time goes up in value, right? The next dollar goes down in value. And you can start being curious about how to change the government, how to change the world. We have this uh, kind of you know, pinnacle when we talk about American entrepreneurship or this American dream that working really hard is virtuous in itself, regardless of what you're doing. So when it comes to this idea of like hustle culture of working 100 hours a week and still not feeling like you're accomplishing enough, what is your take here? Like that, that probably isn't healthy, realistically. Well, there's two parts there. One, I hate hustle porn. The, the folks out there that are going, come to my seminar, buy my book, buy this, buy that, and you know, you'll work 200 hours a week, but you'll get there, you yeah. know, bullshit. Right. If, if you're re- if you're an entrepreneur and you have a goal that you're trying to accomplish, it better be something you love. And if you love it, it's what you would be doing anyways. So and, and in my case, if you loved it and also are competitive because you're competitive with yourself and you're competitive with the people who said you can't do it or that you're an idiot for trying, that's also going to drive you. So it's not about balance. I mean, I went through relationship after relationship, didn't go on vacation for seven years in my first company. I mean, but it wasn't like I felt like I was missing something. It wasn't like, oh, I am so out of balance. I don't get time to just smell the, co- you know, smell the coffee and just walk through the park. Not at all. It was like, fuck, yeah, I'm getting smarter. And there was no greater turn on to me than me saying, oh, shit, I just learned all this stuff. new stepping stone. I learned this because I put in the extra time you know, call it work, just call it effort, call it curiosity, but I loved it. And to this day, I don't need to work, but I pay it. I love being curious. I love to learn. That's what drives me. And, you know, to some people balance means, okay, I need to take time to read a book. Okay. The book I want to read is, you know, about the history of Ethereum or whatever it may be, or AI more important, most likely AI, you know, um, selling your startup, you know, just what, whatever it is, that's what I want to read because that's what I love to do. And so when, if you really, you know, I have the saying that, you know, if you start a company and you're, and you have an exit strategy, you're not going to make it Hmm. right. Because if you start a company and you love it, and this is who you are, and this is what you love to do. Every time somebody watches Kinsey's, um, podcast and learns from it and you learn from them you feel better about yourself isn't that what it's all about yeah (laughs) like yeah and you know we we have toyed a lot i think more recently with this idea we meaning you know with the, the work that i'm doing this idea of like toxic positivity also exists you know i am pro working hard i'm strictly anti like hustle porn hustle culture i think it's dangerous and toxic but i also think that like we have come to a place where we can't quite find the happy medium. And I think the necessary step that a lot of people need to take is to reframe what they're, what the, the idea of what they're doing, right? And I know not everybody has the privilege of doing what they love. I'm one of those people that does. But to me, reading other people's work, you know, reading the, the my favorite newsletters in the morning doesn't necessarily feel like work, but that is serving a purpose in my path of of trying to become more intellectual and thoughtful and a better speaker. And then I get to do shit like this. And I'm like, this is amazing. You only got to be right one time. doesn't matter how many times you fail. You only got to be right once. And every step you learn a little bit, you you struggle, you go backwards some, you know, you deal with the fear and the anxiety and all of it because you're an entrepreneur. If you were a short order cook and you just want to be the best short order cook ever, and that made you happy. Like if your joy came from making Reuben sandwiches and French fries and making just the best Reuben sandwich ever. And every time it got served in your diner, you saw your, your um, customer smile and that gave you the most joy ever. 
And if you just go home to your kids and you work nine to five and that's it, or more likely 11 to eight, you know, and that's your life and you're happy. Fuck yeah. Yeah. That's your American dream. You There's get to your get American dream. The hard part is finding something you love to do. And that's what people don't get. You got, I didn't, I didn't grow up in technology. I didn't know I was good at tech until after I got fired, you know, and the only job I can get while I was working at night as a bartender was selling software during the day. And it turned out, I was like, fuck, I'm good at this shit. It's easy for me. And I like to learn it. And so, you know, a lot of people will say, well, what job should I get out of college? Get any motherfucking job, right? You don't need the perfect job. You're a free agent. You just need to try it and say, okay, is this a good job? Do I like it? Nah, fuck it. On to the next. Mm-hmm. Like it? No, nah, fuck it. On to the next. Just make sure you learn and are curious each step of the way so you can, you know, like Jenga, right? The, you can build it so you have a bigger and bigger and bigger tower. That's what most people miss, right? It's not the hustle porn where you got to work 100 hours or you're going to fail. It, it's not, oh, I don't know if I'm an entrepreneur. It's just like where they are, they don't find a way to learn and they aren't curious. And I don't care how many hours you work, if you don't love to learn, if you don't, if you aren't curious, if you don't make the effort to love your product or service enough that, you know, you love to sell it. And selling, by the way, is not convincing. Selling is helping people realize the value of what it is that you do. And so if you're not able to do those things, you are going to fail no matter how many hours you work. And if you are able to do those things and it really is something you love to do and you want to be great at it, you're going to love it whether or not you make money or however many hours you work. And so when people try to put barriers on it or set, you know, benchmarks or thresholds, you know, like I've had entrepreneurs that I unfortunately invested in and they want to go take a two week vacation to Bali. Every one of those entrepreneurs has failed. No, yeah. it's just like there's a time and a place, you know. Well, look, there's lots of different ways to do vacationing. You know, there's a lot of different ways to take a break, and so there are going to be times when you are mentally exhausted. Mm-hmm. You there'll be times when the anxiety's through the roof. I have a, one example I'll give you. My first company, Micro Solutions. There was this lady, um, Renee Hardy. We gave her our payables. And then a couple hours later, and her job was to take the payables, put them in an envelope, and take them to the and take them to the um, post office and just mail them, pay our vendors. A couple hours later, I get a phone call from this Texas bank. Sir, we have this woman driving through the drive-through, and she's cashing these checks where she whited out the payee and put in her name. I'm like, you didn't cash them, did you? Oh yes, we did, sir. We're a bank. That's what we do. Eighty-two of eighty-four thousand dollars. Gone. Gone. What? Yeah, it was fucked up. But I couldn't get mad, right? I mean, I was mad. My stress <laughs> level went in. I had to go back to work and fix it. Yeah. Right? We had to call all these vendors, and my partner and I, we just call all the vendors and say, here's what's going on. Please believe in us. We will make sure you get paid back. There are always going to be stress and roadblocks and anxiety. And during those times, did I have an adult beverage or 15? Yes. You know, did I blow off steam? Yes. And that's okay, right? Because, you know, when I say if you love it, you put in the hours. That doesn't mean 24 by 7, right? That means you'll pick your times because you know what your business dictates, right? It's that you're, you know, you, you, you are one with your business. And so Kinsey knows, okay, I got this episode done. It's in the can. Okay, I can take a break. I'm going to decompress before I think about my next episode, Right. And that's what you do. And then you'll go back to, okay, we just dropped this episode. What's the response? Is it what I thought it was, right? Because you're trying to learn what the cause and effect is and everything because you want it to be better for your sponsors, your audience, more importantly, and you want to grow your business because you Mm -hmm. just told me what your goals are, right? You'll know when to do that and when not to do that. And you don't have to, you're not keeping a, um, a ledger of how many hours you work. You know and there's times that you're working and you it's not you don't even know you're working. I taught myself how to program and there were times when I started programming and I would have a bucket of chicken from KFC. I gave like 50 pounds. I would have a bucket of chicken there and I would think I'd program for like four hours. I'd look up and it'd been 24 hours because you're concentrating so hard. And I'm sure you've had those moments too where you're, you're scripting or writing or evaluating or listening 
and you look up and it's three hours later and you mm -hmm. thought it was 20 minutes or 30 minutes. That's what being an entrepreneur is all about. That's, you know, so when we talk about work-life balance and we talk about hustle poor and, and working 100 hours, those are for people who are trying to force themselves into, you know, into this mold that they think every these the hustle porn, you know, pro providers are trying to tell them they can do. That's rarely going to work. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now I I have one last question for you, um, and it's it's kind of to try to tie a bow around this conversation, and uh, I just want to hear your perspective. You know, you are are somebody who has at least in theory accomplished this American dream that you figured out your own version of success, created the opportunity to accomplish that success and are now reaping the benefits of it to encourage whatever you want in the world, right? You, you have accomplished it. What do you think the American dream looks like for the future of America? For kids who are in high school today, what does the American dream look like for them? Is it the same as the American dream that you accomplished? Is it different? And if so, how? It's the same, but different, right? Meaning that you know, the generation my dad grew up with had differences, right? You know, the generation I grew up in has difference than, than things you're growing up in as, as, you know, someone right out of school. And most of those, what makes it different is technology more than anything else. And so you have to be literate in what's happening now. And so if you're going to be successful, and I, I tell, I, I created the Mark Cuban AI Bootcamp, Mark Cuban Foundation AI Bootcamp, where we teach kids AI, underprivileged kids who are in, you know, disadvantaged circumstances. We have this free bootcamp around the country where we teach kids about AI, because in order for them to live the American dream, they're going to have to understand AI, just like you understood um, apps and the internet, and that was native to you, and it wasn't to your parents. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like they thought you were super, super smart because you could do a web page, you know, or you're doing a podcast and they didn't fully understand it. The generation of kids today has to have that same skill set that absorbs in whatever new technologies are happening. And it's a little bit different than even your generation, what, let's say the generation before you, because you have to have a purpose as well. Because I don't think entrepreneurs and companies today really can connect to their consumers if they don't have a real purpose for the company. What is it that you're trying to do that not only that your customers will consume, but makes them feel good about consuming? Because every single person on this planet who has a phone and you know social media is a brand. And everything that you put on your, you know, your social media reflects who you are and you're not going to do anything or present anything that doesn't reflect you positively. And so companies today and kids today searching for the American dream have got to do all the things we've talked about, but in terms of being a successful entrepreneur to get there, they've got to be literate in the technology. And that's not easy. Like, like we talked about the lack of financial literacy for kids growing up and the disadvantages they have there. The lack of, of um, technology literacy, particularly for AI, is stunning. You know, I've got another company that all, you know, they, we started in Mississippi and we do um, remote advanced placement classes because the poor schools in Mississippi where we started don't have any AP classes whatsoever. And so, you know, we pay all the teachers and everything dial in. They're, they're going to need to get all these advanced technologies and absorb them Otherwise, it's going to be far more difficult for them to really succeed. And who knows what an AI-driven world looks like? You know, all I can tell you is of the top 10 market cap companies, all but Warren Buffett's company, are great at AI. Yeah. And the ones that are declining suck at AI. Yeah, so. and Warren Buffett's a dinosaur. So, <laughs> so I, I guess what you're telling me is I need to learn Web3. <laughs> yeah, well, Web3 is different than AI, but you got yeah. it. Look, out of the pandemic... I would, you know, trying to motivate people to, to go innovate during the pandemic when we had all this time. The thing that came out of the pandemic that is world changing is all the things we're doing around crypto and blockchain and how that's becoming native to people today. More people will understand Dogecoin and to the moon, right, than understand AI. 
but they're starting to, you, you know, you're starting to understand how a wallet works. You know, what, how do you can make more money using DeFi with USDC or whatever, what Bitcoin and Ethereum are and how they're different. We're starting to understand those things and that creates a new entrepreneurial foundation that anybody can do with a phone as well um, and any money you're able to save or earn from that. You know, I saw um, this company I advise, Civic Science, they did a survey that said 4% of people who, no, oh fuck, what was it? 7% of people who, four to 7% of people who quit their job quit because of money they made in um, cryptocurrencies. Wow, okay. Shit. <laughs> it's possible so, though, you know? Like Well, the point being, there is a platform that kids are glomming onto now you know, my 12 year old mines Ethereum and has a helium miner. My nephew, you know, I made my brother buy him helium miners, which is HNT, which is this whole other communication strategy built on crypto. And he's making $50 a day, a day. My son makes $200, no, $150 a month mining Ethereum using his gaming PC. We tried to do a deal where we were going to buy gaming PCs for underprivileged schools and allow them to mine um, during the downtime when they weren't being used for kids to help pay for the computers and, and they wouldn't do it. Right. And so so when you talk about what's the American dream look like for kids in high school today, they have a better opportunity than you or I did. Because there's this whole new platform that they understand organically and are starting to use that others don't understand. And to learn Solidity, the programming language, is no more difficult than learning JavaScript. It's pretty much the same thing, right? So you're able to come up with the next great application. So just like, you know, in, in the early days of technology, I was there to be able to take those stepping stones. Every high school kid who gets this shit has that opportunity, even the least privileged, because that's one of the beauties of, of crypto, right? You don't have to have a traditional bank account to get started. Mm -hmm. There are play to earn, there are learn to earn, you know, there are all these different things you can do to earn. Like the, half the country in the Philippines plays Axie Infinity and is making money playing Axie Infinity. Yeah. And all this is going to change. Yeah. I, th I think this is kind of the first time in my, my short life so far that I felt like really out of touch. You know, like there are so many things I don't understand. And so I took some time this week trying to understand Web3 and understand what a DAO is. And it's all there. Like that is the beauty of this. I can I have all this information at my fingertips. It's a matter of the curiosity to your to your original point of wanting to figure yep. it out. So there we yep. go. All that shit's going to change. It's good. I mean, literally right now. There is no better point in time, or there is no better platform to disrupt all the old shit. This yeah. is the point in time where it doesn't matter where you are. If you have the curiosity and put in the time, you can figure out crypto and get involved. Not everybody's going to make billions, but that opportunity yeah. is there to, to really live your life the way you want to. Well, Mark, you might have made an optimist out of me. <laughs> Thank you. This this has been incredible. I, I really do appreciate your time. Um, I yeah, I'm, I'm excited to kind of like dig into this more, figure out what what other things this conversation inspires. But thank you. I, I really appreciate it. It was fun. I really enjoyed it. It was fun to talk about. You do a great job. So thank you. you. Know, let me know if I can help any more. <laughs>